0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today we have Amber Athey, Washington editor at The Spectator and co-host of O'Connor and Company on WMAL. Senior fellow at Steamboat Institute, formerly White House correspondent for The Daily Caller, very accomplished, very bright young lady. Amber, good day, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be back.
0: Thank you for being back on the show again. We're going to talk about the Build Back Better Act, Joe Manchin's obstructionist agenda, in my opinion. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about that item. So I will give you an opportunity to express your sentiment.
1: Sure, thank you for the opportunity. Well, I appreciate Joe Manchin's opposition to the Build Back Better agenda for a multitude of reasons. The first of which, Is that there's been a lot of talk about the bill's effects or lack thereof on inflation. And I know that Joe Biden has made this claim that there's 15 or so Nobel Prize winning economists who claim that this bill is actually going to help inflation. The Washington Post did a pretty thorough debunking of that claim where they actually interviewed those economists and they said, perhaps in the long term, this could reduce inflationary pressures on the supply side. But it won't help the current inflationary crisis that we're facing. The other issue is when you have a spending bill that's this large, um, increasing the national deficit that much does uh, decrease economic growth um, in terms of the GDP. So there's a a claim as well that Goldman Sachs says if we don't pass build back better, then we're not going to see as much economic growth in the future. But they haven't factored in that um, national debt and deficit portion of the bill. Now as to what's actually in the bill, and this is of course separate from, the spending total because I do think there are some good things in the bill that I would be generally supportive of, which are some of the child tax credits and some of the daycare benefits for parents. I think it's really important to make sure that parents are able to get support for their children so that they're able to work outside of the home if need be. Um, There are other portions of this bill, however, that I think don't support working families. And these are the pieces that Joe Manchin was generally um, antagonistic towards. And that's a lot of the clean energy policies I don't think give enough benefit to the co-working individuals in West Virginia to make sure that their lifestyles are not severely disrupted and that they're able to continue to support their families as our country transitions more to. Um, green energy policies, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but we're a long way away from having our entire economy and um, and energy sector run on things like solar and wind power. And in the meantime, you have to make sure that people who work in oil, coal and natural gas industries are able to support themselves. And I don't think this bill does a good enough job of making sure that those individuals are non-disrupted. Um, and then there's the question of whether or not the Democrats are going to include the immigration. of the Build Back Better plan. Some have suggested going against the Senate parliamentarian and trying to push an amnesty package through anyway, even though they're not supposed to be doing that through the reconciliation process. And I think there's no doubt that if you incentivize massive amounts of illegal immigration, that that does not help American working families.
0: All right, so let me respond to some of your points. The last point you made is not even part of the bill structure. So it's difficult to argue a factor that does not exist. Let me go to something that does exist which is the pontification about inflation and if this act would actually lead to inflation. I actually agree with the major economists who have researched it and understand cause and effect relationship as it relates to inflation in the United States of America. I will simply pose one question to you. What is the number one catalyst for inflation?
1: Well, I would think that it's printing money and devaluing the dollar. That's not true.
0: The number one catalyst for inflation is actually supply. A supply chain issue is the number one catalyst for inflation, and that's proven by the inflation ups, downs, ebb, flow we've already experienced in America. That's your number one. That creates the inflation model, and that inflation model typically takes two economic cycles in order to actually apply. That's why the economists are saying this bill does not create inflation as we understand and interpret the variable of inflation. Number two, the national deficit. We'll talk about the national deficit while there's a proclamation from some on the conservative side saying that, oh my goodness, this just skyrockets the national debt. It takes our money and we have to borrow against it. But it's really interesting to me that the same individuals who are now crying about the 1.9 trillion being too much money are the same people that allowed Donald Trump to run up the national debt And holds the record of modern day presidents as it relates to the national deficit. And they didn't challenge Donald Trump with any of his numbers. They signed and approved and supported every spending bill that was well outside of the normative value system as it relates to the Republican platform. But now all of a sudden when we're talking about domestic spending 1.9 trillion, which is massively lower than what we started with, we're talking about increasing the deficit. I don't fall for that argument anymore because we've never seen a person approach the United States Congress and say, you know what? It will be a great idea to go to war with Iran this year, but we just don't have it in the budget. We always have enough money in this country to kill people and blow things up. It's called war, unlimited money to do it, never argue about the budget when it comes to war. Then all of a sudden when it comes to spending money on mama them, spending money on domestic policies, creating social programs that invest into the heart and soul of the American community. We now have to argue and debate the pennies, I have a problem with that. As far as the bill is concerned, I represent particular communities. I'm a black man in America, so I represent particular communities. Let me be very clear about what this does for black people in particular. Uh, The bill maximizes the Pell Grant. I was able to go to college because of the Pell Grant. They have defunded that Pell Grant year after year after year, which was a great um, segue into people like myself, first generational college students to actually obtain a quality education. So they make a massive investment, putting money back into that Pell Grant, should have already been funded uh, before. Also, it makes a historic investment into HBCUs, 2 billion. We were looking for much more, but still that 2 billion is uh, historic, uh, the bill also makes a significant investment into what's called affordable housing. Affordable housing is a matrix created by the federal government. I don't totally agree with how they come up with the number affordable, but it's better than what we have had before. I don't think the bill goes far enough, you think it goes too far. You and I have to admit, there are some really remarkable things in the bill. We can't say that because of how it may impact one particular industry in West Virginia that That is now somehow justification for the bill not passing when this is a bill that impacts the whole United States of America. The reality is Amber, the bill, no matter what it is, no matter what passes, everybody won't win with this bill. Everybody will not win. And you have to ask yourself the question, is it appropriate for Manchin to hold up progress when you probably line for line agree with most of what's in the bill. I would assume you don't agree with the environmental part of it, but you probably agree line for line with the majority of the bill. Is it proper for one US senator to hold up the progress, not only of citizens all across the United States of America, but do it in a way that's not even authentic or done in good faith. Remember, we brought it down because of his objection he didn't even negotiate with the White House before he went on Fox News and made the proclamation that he's a no vote.
1: Well, let me go ahead and start by agreeing with you on two things. The first of which is that I agree that the national debt was also a problem under President Donald Trump. And um, I've been consistent on that. And I know there have been Republicans in Congress who have been consistent on that as well, not not across the board by any means. And I completely agree that we spend too much money on war. I'm a huge advocate of uh, withdrawing from Afghanistan. I am also a huge advocate of getting troops out of Syria and generally reducing our footprint across the globe. So I agree with you on that. I will also add that I'm also a first generation college student who benefited from the Pell Grant, huge fan of that as well. So again, there are things in this bill that I agree with that I think are good. From Joe Manchin's perspective, it is literally his job to represent the people of West Virginia. So if this bill is a loser for them, I think it's incumbent on him to say That he's not going to accept this bill if those pieces that hurt the energy sector are still in it. A huge portion of the West Virginia population is either directly or indirectly employed by the coal industry. And so the whole point of him being elected a representative of the state of West Virginia is that he has to put their interests first.
0: Yeah, I think it's a cop out because when you look line for line item for item in the bill, West Virginians, they benefit significantly from the bill. And what we're talking about in reference to one industry, that's a lot of pontification and what ifs to create what the new boogeyman that Republicans say will be the reality if this bill comes to fruition. I don't think Joe Manchin is being authentic about how this bill would actually impact West Virginians. Let's be very clear, even though it represents a significant work base in West Virginia it still represents less than 5% of the population. Joe Manchin is literally hanging his hat on less than 5% of the population of his state as a way to disrupt the good faith negotiations of this bill.
1: Well, I disagree that Joe Manchin is not acting in good faith here because if you talk to anyone who's worked with Joe Manchin through his entire career in the Senate, he's a very well liked guy and people find him to be very genuine. I've never heard from people. Um, besides some of these newbies in Congress who are attacking uh, the literacy rates of West Virginia or claiming to represent just as many people as Joe Manchin, um, that he is uh, not thinking in the best, trying to think in the best interest of the individuals in his state. And I've looked into some of the energy policies specifically in the Build Back Better bill because I do think that the Biden administration was trying to include um, subsidies to make sure that coal workers were not put out of out of work immediately. The problem with that is that there are multiple studies that show the type of um, energy uh, sort of upheaval of of this industry that they want to do will take multiple decades to do properly. And unfortunately, a lot of the jobs that do come um, as replacement jobs are either temporary because they're involved in the construction of these new facilities or they're not unionized and on average these green energy jobs pay a lot less than jobs in the oil, natural gas and coal industries. And so when you're talking about giving people just as good of a job, unfortunately the numbers don't really add up yeah. in that way. And in West Virginia specifically, they're not a state that does well with solar and wind power. Um, I believe only a small portion of the state is actually able to um, support that that industry. Let me say this of the weather
0: because sure. my producers are saying that the next show is coming up. Uh, historic investment into HBCUs, minority-serving institutions, historic investments into affordable housing, the the child care credit, uh, and the list goes on. Okay, those elements benefit the majority. Of residents of West Virginia, the majority.
1: And I think we're, Joe Manchin would be willing would be willing to work on this in the new year and be able to find a compromise. <laughs> that ain't that what I he said, be-
0: my dear sister. That is not we'll what the man said. All right, Talk so I'll bring you back.
1: Has, they, they were on a call and and they're they're gonna they're gonna work together out. Oh, all yes, All
0: right, we'll see. We'll see. All right, <laughs> but I do appreciate you being on the show. Happy holidays to you and yours. Okay.
1: All right. Have a good Christmas. Thank you.
0: You too.